what we are, the premise around what we are doing today, I thought he was coming up here, is to bring some light on communion. And um, if you were here with us on a Wednesday night or two Wednesday nights, uh, I can't remember if it was one or two, it was two, um, Father Mark, who has been away and has been with us for a little bit, um, he ministered and just did phenomenally, but he ministered very theologically. And um, I have, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe not necessarily, I want to shed some light. I'm not endeavoring to kind of go theologically into the scripture, but I've known the Lord for a while. You know, I had a little conversation with him yesterday. I said, I'm walking in the house and just forcefully declaring something I'm believing God for. And I said, you know, I could feel a mood trying to hit me, you know, emotions. And I said, I've known you for 30 years. I've known you for 30 years. I've known you for a long time. And you've never let me down. Not one time. Not once. Not once, not never. But the truth of the matter is, is that every single one of us, when you're in a church like this that I alluded to, where God is constantly pushing the envelope, does he do that to you? He's constantly pushing the envelope. He just won't leave you alone. He just won't let you stay mediocre. He just won't let you stay average. He just wants to, you know, just inject his thinking, you know, not just for the purpose of being restored, because that is so much about um, what life is, you know, in the heart and mind of our father, is, is to see his children restored in the identity through encounter and through intimacy, restored friendship with him, um, knowing his word and knowing his ways. His desire is that through that, we would be, identity would be restored. That which the enemy stole through accusation with Adam and Eve. He's always been on this quest to know God, to know, to know God, to know ourselves and to know God, to know the purpose and the destiny of our life in relationship, in union with God, with this amazing God. But the truth of the matter is, is that there is an accuser of the brethren who is, as God is on the one side, always pushing the envelope to try and bring increase to our lives. The enemy is always pushing the envelope of 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us there is an enemy who is roaring about and he is seeking to devour. And the way that he does that is through accusation. And you know what, guys? We just need to learn how to fight. Okay, so, so, that, so that's what we're, we're doing. And so the way that we do that, though, the scripture makes it clear to us, you know, as we, there's, you know, we have the word of God and we have communion. We're going to take a look at that today. But just encounter and friendship with God and, and what it looks like maybe to have to, um, I don't know if I finished my statement there. Sorry, I was thinking about those little, I'm just going to bebop around today, okay? I just told myself, I'm just going to have fun, bebop around. Hope you're all good with that. But I just, I, I, I've been on her with that because I, I, I just said, you know, so many people, so many of us need to know what it looks like to not just hear a promise of God, but how to persist with it, how to Joshua 1.8, how to meditate in it, how to stay in it, how do I find my scripture, is, is my promise a promise that God is saying he's going to do something about, how do I find the scripture, I'm really loud, <laughs> I'm not, okay, <laughs> loud to me. Uh, you know, how do we do all those things and actually stay the course until the end so that we get the victory? How do we stay encouraged in the middle of the process? How do we, how do we 
get close enough to God and build relationship enough with God that maybe you get a bad report. Maybe there's something that happens in your life, um, you know, where it's just you and God. It's just you and the quietness where you're just, you know, all by yourself now. You're not in church. You're not around, you know, those people who are going to encourage you. It's just you and God and what you believe. It's just you and God and what's going on inside of your head. It's just you and God and the reverberations of the lies of the enemy. And, and what do we do about it? How do we deal with it? How do we overcome it so that we can actually have a smile on our face? And there's a season where, you know, we're working that. And you might not necessarily see, you know, I'm putting on the smile today. But if I, I know the character of God and I know the promise of God and I stick with that, eventually it's going to put a smile on my face. And the more, most important thing is that in that equation, it changes the situation. And so many times what, what happens is we're faced with things and we're not really sure, is it the will of God for me to ask that? We need to settle these issues. We need to settle them. God gives us equipment and tools and ways for us to be able to fight. He didn't, and I know that seems like a bad word, and I'm not talking about fighting the fight of the flesh. I'm talking about fighting for the plans and the purposes of God in our life. Amen? And the Bible talks about, you know, it talks about God desiring, you know, when we talk about restoration, it talks about God desiring those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the way that we're fighting is not, you know, putting on willpower, it's spirit and truth, okay? It's the help by and through the help of the Holy Spirit as he reveals the nature of God and the word of God to us, and it's truth, that word of God. That's how we're overcoming. God's desiring that. And so we're gonna kind of take a look at Israel um, we're going to take a look at Israel and, and how God sort of set, sets up type and, types and shadows in the word of God so that we can, when we actually partake of the communion meal, which can I just tell you, the communion meal is it for a Christian. Yeah. It settles the issue with finality. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that Jesus' blood is now seated on the mercy seat of heaven. And his blood will speak on our behalf if we know what the word says and if we allow his word to speak for us. It will speak and it will silence every single enemy. It will silence every single lie. It will silence every single naysayer. But it doesn't, it's not something that we, you might trip on it, but you won't get the depths of it in order to be any good at it unless we give ourselves the word discern means you know we're, we're, we're maturing or we're growing through re reason of use and it uses that word to discern this discernment gives that idea of not just you know being being able to separate what's right and wrong it also gives the connotation that there is something inside of you because you're acknowledging there's a right way and there's a wrong way there's something inside of you that's acknowledging you there's an impetus that says i'm going to find out i'm going to go after it I'm not just satisfied to hear about it. I'm going to do something about it. And then I'm going to, once I hear what I've heard, so we've got to settle some of these issues. A lot of times, if you're not careful, because Christianity is moving, if you're in a house like this, we're moving so quickly. And sometimes, you know, what you need to do is you need to stop everything and make sure that your foundation is solid. You need to make sure that, you know, when you're constantly dealing with, you're like the wind, you know, the wind and the waves that are being, you know, if that's the, 
you know, been your life story so far. I just want to say, God wants to teach us how to battle with his word. He wants to teach us how to battle with types and shadows in his word. He wants to teach us how to battle through testimonies of people who have gone before us. He wants to teach us so that we can walk this walk in strength. And sometimes, you know, we are, we're the ones who are giving an account of our own lives. I mean, God won't, God himself won't even make us do things that we don't want to do. So we're the ones who have to sort of say, okay, wait a second here. I've been being tossed to and fro. I've been living a whole lot more by negative emotions than I have by, you know, positive emotions. And so as we partake of communion today, God just wants us to know that, you know, sin uh, created a, 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 a void and it was, there was payment that was required you know, because of the sin that was committed. And the blood of Jesus was total payment. It was total payment for the curse. And so that's why we're busy in this house about transforming our minds and learning God and learning his ways so that when you're in that moment, you can actually fight with the word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So, so we're doing that. We're learning the ways of God returning to original intent and design. And even though we're here in body, okay, we are, our spirit man, right, is what's catching this and revealing to it if we'll stick with it, right? Our spirit man is the one who understands it. Your head, if you're not careful, will bounce it just, you know. I remember we met a, a gentleman years and years and years ago and he told us, you know, when you're listening to a teaching to pray, pray in tongues when you're listening to the teaching and you'll bypass your mind and it will go right into your heart. Because a lot of times what we've been learning as a house, right? If God's pushing an envelope in your life and you've had a negative experience around it, then your mind shuts down sometimes and you don't even realize it and it creates a ceiling in our life. And we're all about in this house removing every single limitation and every single ceiling when it comes to the will and the plan and purpose of God in our lives. Amen? There, we, not, not one of us in this room can accomplish the will of God in the flesh, in the natural. Not one of us. And that's why God's pushing. We feel a little uneasy. We feel a little uncomfortable. And that's just because he's guiding us. We're, our flesh is uncomfortable. But if we learn how to tune into our spirit, what Holy Spirit is revealing about the nature of God and about the plan and the purpose of God for our lives, he always reveals to us this, you know, that we can do it that through him we can do it. And, that, and that's what we need. And that's why God is encouraging us to learn to be a worshiper of God, right? And you feel that in worship, right? Which is why I had to get up here. It's just like, you can, when you're worshiping, you, you just feel like you can take on the world, don't you? you? You just feel like every single problem that was literally resting on your mind and you tried to change your mind, you tried to change what you were thinking, but it was just bigger than you and you just couldn't do it. Something happens when you jump around, you know, something happens when you, and all these things that we do that maybe are uncomfortable. The Bible talks about lifting holy hands. The Bible talks about David jumping and dancing. And you know, the Bible talks about singing and all of these things. Worship is warfare. Right. And worship creates a highway to us, uh, from us to the Lord. Why? Why do we need to get to the Lord? Because God has the perspective that we need. That if we don't on a daily basis continually get the perspective of the Lord, we will fail at every, um, every, every, new, every new opportunity. We will fail because we approach it now excuse me, in the natural. So um, I've had, sort of had this on my mind, so that's what God wants to do. He wants us to, he wants us to understand communion, put a little bit more light on communion today. 
and maybe just a key to it. And he wants us to understand that what he's busy at work with in us is restoring us to that place of original intent and design. But he's not doing it because he wants us in this constant place of healing. He wants, uh, he wants us restored to this place of original intent and design because he really believes that life is worth living and that life is fun and that others are worth serving, wow. right? And a lot of times when we're in the process of that, these are all the accusations of the enemy in our life. So over the last, I don't know how long, um, you know, I asked the Lord, I don't know how, God, you want to get to communion from Psalm 89, verse 2. I'm not really, you know, God ever do that to you? It's like, what on earth does this have to do with anything? I have to just like mull this over about a hundred times so I can sort of see the doorway of where you're going. You know, but it, I, and there used to be a song a long time ago. Some of you might remember if you're, you know, as old as me or older. But um, it, it went something like this. I will sing of the mercy of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing. I will sing of the mercy of the Lord forever. I will sing of the Lord. And with my, or is it my mouth? I will make known. It is. Somebody said with my mouth. Was, I will make known his faithfulness. That's Psalm 89 verse 2. Okay. So Psalm 89 verse 2 says this. Okay. It says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your mercy and your faithfulness to all the generations. That's God's desire for us. That we would wake up every day and there would be a song in our heart. But I tell you, if you don't know how to fight with the word of God and how to fight with the element of the finished work of the cross, then you can't wake up every day pursuing God and increasing every day and have joy in a song in your heart. Amen? So that word mercy, when we're singing, it says with my mouth. So I have a part in that. I will sing of the mercy of the Lord. With my mouth, I will make known the mercy and the faithfulness of God. Mercy is this covenant word. Um, it is this word of promise that God gives us. It is hesed or hesed. It is the loving kindness, the gentle, tender, loving kindness of a covenant keeping or a God who keeps his promise. A God who can be trusted. Amen? A God who, you know, so he's so good. But you know what is required of us? That we pursue. Because that's the language of heaven. That we get hungry and that we get thirsty and that we pursue. And that rings a dinner bell in heaven. And it's also a sign of health. Faithfulness, just when we, when we talk about the faithfulness of God, because every single one of us, with, with what Adam did, every single one of us now is put in this place where we are in this place of eternal judgment. And so faithfulness, singing of the mercy of God, thank you, Lord, for coming up with a plan. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have to pay that debt every single day of my life. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have to live in the condemnation of it, that I don't have to earn it. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, that you, can, that you have been faithful and that I can recount. That's what God wants us to do, and he's telling us that's a key to strength. Rehearsing the mercy and the faithfulness of God is a strength. We see that um, actually in Exodus chapter 12. Wow, is that a real baby? Sounded like a... Somebody's phone was going off. Yeah, a doll or something. We see that, right? Um, 
we did not get what was delivered to us, what was coming to us, right? But we were delivered from those things. And so I, I felt like, you know, God wanted us to take a look at Exodus chapter 12. And in the book of Exodus, we see a type and a shadow of this idea of singing of the mercy of the Lord. You know, you know the story, right? And so Israel is about to exit Egypt and go into their promised land. And um, so God does this thing with them, which is a type and shadow. They have this Passover meal, which we see in Luke 22, which is Jesus with his body and his blood. And, um, but, but Passover here in Exodus chapter 12, is a, it's a type and a shadow, right? And so really what, what God tells them to do is he talks to Moses and he says, you know, there's gonna be a lamb, there's gonna be bitter herbs, and there's gonna be bread, you need to keep your shoes on, you need to eat it in haste because you're gonna split. And, and when they go, they get everything, okay? But then there's something very important. And this is, I think, a, a key when we look at this communion idea and when we look at what Jesus, you know, when Jesus says, remember, okay? And this is really, you know, it's, it's, it's very simple, but I, I, th I think, you know, a lot of, at least when I gave my heart to the Lord, a, one of the scriptures that it seemed like everyone was quoting for whatever reason was the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. And it seemed like everybody was against traditions. But you know, when you, when you read through this and you, you, know, you see how God instituted certain things and how every single one of them had meaning, the bitter herbs were them, you know, the idea of like the bitterness of bondage. And God wanted them to remember that. And Deuteronomy talks to us in Deuteronomy chapter six, you know, when we, when we, when we dedicate babies, we always use that scripture. And it talks to us about, you know, when we wake up, when we lie down, when we go in, when we go out, put it on, the front, you know, on your frontlets, you know, on your forehead, put the word of God there. And it talks to us about re reminding our children, it talks to us about talking about it continually. And when you look at, you know, Passover and all of these things, you know, these types and shadows that God gives people, something about types and shadows is they create pictures in your mind and in my mind. And something about pictures is they ignite emotions. And something about emotions is that when we can stir emotions, they actually say that it's scientifically proven that when you engage as, when you're trying to learn a new concept, that what you're to do is to engage as many of your senses as possible, and that will help you, I'm sorry that I keep looking this way, apologize. I'm not sorry, um, apologize. <laughs> I'm not releasing any sorrow today, only joy. Um, but if, if you can release as many of your senses that it's scientifically proven that that principle will actually stick with you, that you'll, ac you'll actually, actually get it. You have a better chance of getting it when you sing loud and maybe move your hands or you shout it out loud and you look like a crazy person when you're declaring, you know, my God meets all my needs. And they're like, what is your problem? You're like, I'm engaging all my senses. Right, because I believe me more than I believe anybody else, and I don't believe me right now, so I need to get really loud. You know, it's like a conversation I have with God when we were going through stuff, and he, he's like, you don't trust me, I'm sweeping in my kitchen. He's like, you don't trust me. I'm like, God, I'm so offended. He's like, no, you don't trust me. And I'm like, yes, I do, Lord. I wake up every morning, and I'm spending time with you, and I'm in your word, and I'm doing all those things. I trust you. He's like, well, why do you get nervous when the phone rings? I'm not sure, <laughs> but it can't be that. So he's like, deal with it. Those indicators, right? Because what's God doing? He's pushing the envelope, if you let him. If you let him, okay? We can stay at the place, right, where, you know, um, 
where we just let him be, oh, you're my father, you're my dad, I'm gonna jump up on your knee. Maybe the guys don't do this, I don't know. But you know, you jump up on my knee and, and you just hug me and you just love me unconditionally and you just speak wonderful things about me and how much you love me and how you never leave me. And then I need to, I need to move to the place, you know, and I, I maintain that, but I, I have to establish my relationship with Jesus and Jesus is my friend. And you know, sometimes the scripture says, you know, the, friends of a wo- the wounds of a friend. So Jesus is the one, you know, who sometimes is like jabbing you, you know, for the purpose of growth. And then Holy Spirit is constantly there to lead us and guide us into the truth, right? And so there is that chastening and there is that, you know, for, for the sake of us growing. Why does God want us to grow? He wants us to grow so that we can have victory. You know, we don't, we don't just slip into these things. We don't just fall into them. You don't just do it because you love Jesus, because you're giving your heart to him, because even because you're a good person or you were raised in a good family, you know, there is, a, there is an, an on-purpose effort that we exert against the kingdom of darkness. And that, let me just read this. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, so we're looking at that type and shadow. Let me just finish that. And we're looking at, you know, the, the bread, and we're looking at the bitter herbs, and we're looking at the lamb, and, 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 you know, and then we're looking at this idea of Deuteronomy and God speaking to them, have this Passover continually. And when your children ask you, why are we eating this disgusting lamb? Or why these herbs? They don't taste good. Did anybody tell mom and dad these things don't taste very good? You know, why are we doing that, right? How many of you were raised in that? We were raised that, you know, Good Friday, we could only eat no meat. And it was just like, we, were, we bucked that our whole lives because we didn't get the story behind it. And so when Jesus said in Luke 22, communion has this idea and what, what God is you know, revealing in Passover and what he's revealing in Deuteronomy chapter six is there's this beautiful thing that I, I feel like somehow maybe the enemy had something to do with life just moving um, and, and eliminating some of the very precious things of life like eating at their dinner table together as a family. And there's something that happens at the dinner table, you know, you recount stories. You know, there's... Um, significant things that happen. There's ways that you do things. There's, you know, like we have these meals twice a year at Christmas and Easter where we just go all out on breakfast. And you know, you, you just can't change that. And you can, you can smell, you know, what can you smell? I can't smell pancakes. The bacon, which we cook in our garage because we don't want our house to stink, you know. <laughs> Mike cooks the bacon and he wants to run home all the time because he says he smells like one big piece of bacon. <laughs> but there's memory, and I feel like that's something that's that that you know that has that we have to fight, don't we? We have to fight to keep dinner. We have to fight to keep the dinner table. We have to fight to keep these things that we learned, you know, that we thought were bad. And now there is some tradition that speaks against God and the increase of God and the ways of God. We want to flush that. But the tradition that causes our us to remember. You know, we need to do that when it comes to communion. We need to do that, you know, when it comes to, sometimes, you, you know, you may not understand why, why do we look at some of these Jewish, you know, um, holidays or some of these Jewish, Jewish feasts. And, and it's because, you know, we, we want to remember what it is that they went through. We want to allow our emotions. We want the word of God to come alive because if the word of God does not come alive to you and to me, then it's not going to change my life. If it just stays black words on a white page, it's 
not going to change my life. It has to come alive. It has to have emotion. If you have relationship with God, there is emotion there. If you get into the Holy of Holies, there's probably some tears that you're gonna shed in there. And it's not because you're sad, because there's no sadness in there. There's just love, and there's just adoration, and there's just devotion, and there's such a depth that you experience for this God who created everything that we see and things that we don't see. And we don't kind of understand, like the angel said in Psalm 8, what is man that you can't get him off your mind? That's emotional. He loves us with an everlasting love. And we can't go through this, you know, like what Pastor Ian would say in the beginning of, you know, his life, not walk with the Lord, but life, was, you know, Spock, live long and prosper, right? I can't do it. <laughs> Never could. <laughs> okay, live long and prosper. But we don't, God doesn't want us to live that life that way. He also does not want us to live life being led by our negative emotions. He wants us to learn that there are types and shadows in the word of God. He wants us to learn, that's why we go to it. it there's nothing religious in a negative sense about the word of God. There's nothing religious about prayer. It's, it's our brothers and sisters, it's history. Okay, our brothers and sisters who have given us secrets and keys in this word through things that they have done as they obeyed God and did what he asked them to do and got results because they just dared to obey. They just dared to believe, God, this is so crazy. You want me to, what? You want me to, sure, there's like an army. You want me to like stand in front of a, throw my cloak on the ground, put the stick up in the air, hit the rock. Sure, water's gonna come out of it. I'm gonna do what? I'm gonna build a boat. It's never rained. Okay, God, I'm gonna do what? I'm gonna go hug a leper. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what? I, I've been cast out of, out of town and I'm gonna go into town because I know that man, you know, that man, that man that has virtue, I'm getting to that man. That's emotions, people. That's emotions, not emotionalism, but emotions that are released because of the word of God. And when we approach God, we, we, we approach him in faith. Everything that we do, we put ourselves there in faith, but, but sometimes what you have to be able to do is put yourself there. You know, where you might be standing in front of the Lord, and at first when you start, you're like, I'm not sure if you're there. And like Pastor Ian said, you know, when he first started seeing God, it was like a light. It was nothing. And then he would see a light. And then it, over time, as you do what? As you use your, your God-given senses and you let your heart lead you. You let him, your hunger connects to him. And it allows him to lead you. And he will reveal to you and to I what he's like. He will reveal to us all by himself, what he wants us to do. Yeah, he will give us, give us perspectives and answers and things that we didn't ask for, don't deserve. And so, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this. Everybody good? Yeah. Sorry, I feel like I want to rush, but I also feel like 
I struggled last night with like, Lord, I have so much to say. <sighs> you know, and this idea of Lord, you know, there's so much good stuff in your word. And rabbit trails, right? Yeah. Rabbit trails. Some of you go on rabbit trails. Like forever rabbit trails. Like, can we finish a point, God? Maybe that's because I'm like that. It's all I do is rabbit trails. <laughs> there's so much ama amazing stuff in the word of God. You, and it's so all connected. So 1 Peter 5 tells us this. How many of you love Rick Renner? Okay, he is a, definitely a Greek uh, scholar. I was going to say specialist. And he has this book called Sparkling Gems. And so um, it, this is his paraphrased version of 1 Peter 5.8. Very interesting. He's, it says this. This is what the scripture says. 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. So he has no intention for us to get to original intent and design. He's looking to distract. He's looking to devour. He has no intention for us to learn how to wage war with the word of God or the truth of the word of God. And so it goes on to say this. Vigilant means, comes from the Greek word, Gregorio, which means to be on your guard, to be watchful, to be attentive, okay? Um, it says this word primarily denotes the watchful attitude of one who is on the lookout to make certain, this is, there's nothing happenstance about this, okay, nothing accidental, make certain that no enemy or aggressor can successfully gain entry into his life, okay? It goes on, it says, this tells us that we must be on high alert, okay, against, the, against an enemy who is seeking to gain access into our lives. The Greek tense for the word vigilant okay, be sober, be vigilant, means to be continually, perpetually vigilant. That means this is not a one-time act of vigilance, but the attitude of a person who is unwavering in his commitment, unwavering. The only way you're unwavering is if you know him. You can't be unwavering in something that he's asking you to do that's bigger than you because it doesn't make sense to your head. Okay, the attitude of a person who is unwavering in his commitment. This person has resolved that he will never let up in his pledge to be watchful. Come on, never let up, never. Aren't we glad when God says that? There's a scripture that He says, "I'll never give, up. I'll never let go, never, 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 no." She's asking me if she wants me to go up. I'm saying no. Okay. Um, to be watchful, wide awake, and on the lookout to make sure that someone sinister is not trying to, uh, uh, someone sin some sinister force does not successfully sneak up to attack and overtake, okay? Um, the fact that Peter uses the word Gregorio lets us know that the enemy can be pretty sneaky in the way that he attacks. How many know that the Bible says in the last days, God's God is shortening the time because even his elect will be deceived. There's a potential for even his elect. How many of you know we need keys? How many of you know we need keys? We need strategies. Come on. Gone are the days, can I say, where you sit in church and you just hear all these things and you don't at least pick out one thing that you're going to begin to apply in your life and you're going to do this. You're going to be vigilant about it. You're going to be attentive about it because the enemy, you might quit. You might give up. You might go on vacation, but he never does. He never does because anyone that finishes their course or does great things for God, that does great things for God, brings glory and honor to the name of God.
You can do great things for you. But when you do great things and you're connected to him, it automatically goes to him. Okay, the fact that Peter uses this word lets us know that he can be sneaky. The word adversary, this is where Adrienne is going to come in, the lawyer, was used in, the New, Te- in New Testament times for a lawyer who argued in a court of law. This was a picture of a prosecutor who brought offenders to court and argued vehemently. Does he do that to you? He just won't let go? What, about, what are you going to do? 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 You stink. You stink. They don't like you. They don't like you. Did you hear me? They don't like you. They don't like you. You're like, sometimes I'll be like, shut up out loud. I'm like, shut up. I don't use that word. But it's like to him, I'm going to use that word because that's a swear word to me. Okay? This was the picture of a prosecutor who brought offenders to court, argued vehemently against them, and then sent them off to prison. He's not nice. He's the kind of guy that he kicks you. He makes you fall into sin. And then he laughs at you and kicks you when you're down. If you want to know who he is, who your adversary is, when he's tempting you or enticing you or making you think that something other than God's way, come on, on, can I tell you that's why we are so vehement about transformation in this house? Because the enemy is sneaky and he makes us think that somehow, some way, can I tell you it's impossible for the ways of the world to be better than the ways of God? It's impossible to connect to God and not be transformed. It's impossible. It's impossible to touch the best person in the whole wide world, the goodest, bestest, nicest, kindest, most givingest. And it not change you and motivate you. Okay, he argues his point in your mind. And so Peter's telling us that when the enemy strikes, he, he often acts like a lawyer who tries to bring us down by prosecuting us with the facts of our past sins and mistakes, former failures, to convince us that we deserve to be in the mess that we're in. Hmm, how many of you ever thought that? Man, you're trying to pray. You're trying to take communion. And you're just like, in the, head, in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, but it's my fault. I was stupid. It was my mistake. It was my mistake. And you're like, mercy, God, mercy. Yeah, but it was your fault. You can't ask for mercy. Oh, yes, I can. Can I tell you that um, another type in shadow you know, um, when, when Israel left, God knew what was going to happen to them. And he knew that there was going to be some silly things they were going to do. So he, you know, gives them the Ark of the Covenant. He always wanted to be with his people. And inside of the Ark of the Covenant is the manna, Aaron's budding rod, and the tablets. And the interesting thing is what would happen in the Old Testament is the priest would go in because God always wants to restore identity. And he wants to restore relationship. He wants to equip us so that we don't fall prey to these attacks. And so, you know, I heard an interesting um, account of it, and they said, you know, on the, when they built the Ark of the Covenant, um, there's two angels, the cherubim, and they're looking at each other, and right in between there, so inside the box was the Aaron's rod, the manna, and the tablets. And right in the middle there, the, the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, when, they, when he, the priest would go in from the outer court to the inner court and the Holy of Holies, they would take that lamb, that blood once a year, and atone for the sins of the people, okay? And I heard something interesting. It's like, um, you know, those things in there act as, you know, you can go up. Um, I just don't know how on earth I'm going to finish. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, Hallelujah. So it basically, it's the representation of this, you know, this idea, which is why God has this atoning thing, because 
We all know that Israel rejected God's provision. We all know that Israel rejected God's leaders. And we all know that Israel rejected God's ways. Okay, so there's that representation in there of rebellion. But the amazing thing is that it's under the blood. And Hebrews tells us that Jesus' blood went into the Holy of Holies, Hebrews chapter nine, once and for all. And his blood was an atoning blood when he was on the cross. He said those words. He committed his spirit to the Lord because he trusted him and the plan of God. And, and when we do communion, um, let me just finish this. I just want to finish this. It says, if you keep dwelling on accusations, you will find yourself in trouble pretty quickly. The devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And we've got to get victory over this. We've got to get victory over what's inside of that chest, so to speak. What's inside of that ark, so to speak. The, the type and shadow of it, the things that we've done, our past, the failures, the mistakes. And we've got to be able to look at that type and shadow. We've got to be able to look at the picture and say, it's not, they're not over, they're under. They're under it. They're under it. It's, they're being atoned for. They're being, in the New Testament, the Bible says that our sins were remitted. What that means is that we weren't just forgiven, but it means that we were cleansed, forgiven and cleansed, and that those things were eternally forgotten. They were forgotten. So we have to learn how to, we have to learn the ways of the word because one of the big areas that the enemy tries to get you, because everything we do is we approach God in faith and we use all of our senses and we come before him and you know, Lord, I did do that, God, I acknowledge it and, and I'm sorry. But you know, there's a lot of emotion that's attached to what we did, a lot of guilt and a lot of condemnation. I promise you, the enemy makes sure of that. And so when you walk away, what happened there was a spiritual exchange. Can I tell you there's this big war about communion and whether it's is physical or whether it's, you know, can I just say in the body of Christ, everything we talk about is spiritual. Jesus said, this is my body. He didn't say it's a, a type of it. He didn't say it's a symbol. He said, this is my body. Eat it. And he said, eat all of it. He said, this is my blood. And we're not arguing whether it was physical because everything we do as faith Christians is on a spiritual plane. He's spiritual, we're spiritual. What happens in communion is a spiritual exchange. And we have to be able to understand things so that when we partake of the elements of communion, we're remembering, let's just take a little walk. You know, as we, and maybe you need to do that. You know, maybe you need to go to the word because it's something that you've heard and you've heard and you've heard and you've heard. Can I say that's a form of tradition in the sense that you hear something so many times that you never go to the word and get curious about Jesus. Can I relive it? Can I? Recount it. So many times we talk about the word of God coming alive to us when we put ourselves in the story like Jesus who healed the leper and maybe at first when you're in the story you're watching the crazy love of Jesus but if you continue Eventually, what Holy Spirit will do at the prompting of Father 
is he will encourage you to begin to see yourself. See yourself as the one in communion. longer bread it's my body it's no longer a cup of wine it's my blood do it reenact it live it make it come alive because when it comes alive then and only then that I have had a, just a nerve headache for a week and it would bring me to the place of tears and I remember going in there and I remember watching the whipping post and feeling to the best of my ability what it would have felt like to watch something like that in order to not stay on this side of the cross but to convince myself that it was real. That it really happened. And that for me to walk in sickness and disease, us in the trauma. He loves us to leave us too much in the place of being devoured or licked up. He loves us too much to leave us in the place of torment and fear. He loves us too much.
activates when when you take it and it's not just a wafer and you're not in a hurry and it's not just white grape juice it activates the promises of God when you take this blood knowing that Jesus had supper and then he went to Gethsemane he went before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin and before Pilate and Herod and back to Pilate he was so beaten that they couldn't recognize him he carried his cross and was crucified it's real and there's life in it enough it's not enough for God to tell you I'll meet all your needs it's not enough it has to become real we have so many promises but they don't change us it has to become real at the Passover meal the promise of God came to life Jesus didn't tell us to just think it he didn't just say remember it he said do it he said reenact it he said relive it identify with it repeat it and when you do it will cripple every enemy and when you do
to Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin and a bunch of angry people who mocked him and beat him and laughed at him and then said to Pilate who, Pilate, who felt he was innocent, sends him off to Herod and back to Pilate he goes. When they won't give up on this idea, that he's guilty, Pilate beats him and whips him. He's flogged and scourged to satisfy an angry crowd. All of it real. All of it real. All of it intentional. It's all in it. It's all covered. It's all in it. It's all in it. It's all covered. 